Welcome to the second episode of Anecdotes with me, Anne Rimmer. This episode is about a lot of different things. It's about the history of sport, the history of the Second World War, and the history of the Jewish people. But to me, what I really love about this episode is it's about the importance of individual acts of defiance and of having a passion for something in life. I hope you enjoy. Kurt Landauer wasn't used to watching football from the stands. As a young man, he'd experienced the game as a player, chasing after the ball, feeling the rush of adrenaline alongside his fellow teammates. And then later he watched the game as a manager, figuring out what went right in each victory and what needed to be improved after each loss. But today, in the summer of 1940 in Geneva, he was just a spectator, one of a thousand others who had come to watch a friendly match between the Serviette Genève and Bayern München. But to understand how he got there and what would happen next, we would need to start at the beginning. Kurt Landauer was born in 1884 in a village outside of Munich to a family of wealthy merchants. They happened to be Jewish. And because this is the 19th century, the issue of religion impacted the sports he could play. The Jewish community was excluded from participating in prestigious German sports, such as gymnastics and dueling. However, they could play the brand new sport of football. The rules of modern football might have been developed by the English, but it was spread in large part by the Jewish community in Europe down the Danube, through Austria, Hungary, into Germany, and France, and the Netherlands. Sure was a rough and tumble game, but it was fun, and it was becoming more mainstream. By 1900, many of the big cities were establishing semi-professional football clubs. When Kurt Landauer was 16, he played for Bayern München, just a year after the club had been founded. Unfortunately, he didn't get to play for long, as only a year later, he was sent off to school in Switzerland to become a banker. But he didn't forget about Bayern München, and in 1913, he was elected president of the club. Unfortunately, his term was cut short by the start of the First World War, and he ended up enlisting to fight for Germany. But in 1919, Kurt Landauer returned to the club as president for the second time. Not deterred by the crisis facing the German economy, he was determined to build up the small club into one of the top teams in Europe. Legend has it that shortly after taking over the presidency, Bayern München suffered a humiliating 1-7 defeat against Budapest's team. Seeing how elegant the Hungarian game was, Landauer started recruiting those players for his team. Like him, many of these players were Jewish. As was Richard Kahn, one of the top football coaches of the day, who Landauer convinced to come to Munich. This focus on hiring young talent was the beginning of Landauer's youth strategy, a defining characteristic Bayern München to this day. And in 1932, the strategy paid off. Bayern won its first German championships, defeating Nuremberg 2-0. But less than a year after this victory, Landauer would be expelled not just from the presidency of Bayern München, but from the very club he loved so much. The Nazis had only been in power for three months when they issued an edict that Jews were to be expelled from the football clubs. The irony was that this edict was published in Kicker magazine, Germany's premier football news, which was founded and run by a Jewish man. On March 22, 1933, Kurt Landauer resigned from the presidency of the Bayern München Football Club. Despite the loss of their president, coach, and several players, Bayern didn't bend the Nazis' will. In 1934, Bayern players were involved in a brawl with Nazi brown shirts. At the Berlin Olympics, Bayern winger Willy Schmeinster made a point of having his picture taken with the African-American Olympian Jesse Owens. Fullback Sigmund Heiringer narrowly escaped prison for calling a Nazi flag parade a kid's theater. Importantly, Landauer was considered to still be running the team, if only unofficially. Fans who wanted a Nazi team could cheer on the Bayern 1806. Their president had been a member of the Nazi party since 1923. On November 10, 1938, Kurt Landauer, 
along with 30,000 other German Jews, was arrested. Known as Kristallnacht, this is generally considered to be the beginning of the Holocaust. Landauer was sent to the Dachau concentration camp, prisoner 20009. Miraculously, 33 days later, he was released and allowed to go to Switzerland on the grounds that he had served in the First World War, which was why he was in Geneva in 1940, watching his favorite team play a football match. I imagine he really enjoyed seeing the familiar faces of his players, but I also guess he was really surprised when, in their largest act of defiance yet, the players of Bayern lined up after the end of the game, looked up into the stands, and waved to their old president. They waved to the man that had built up their team to greatness and was rewarded for it with exile. On their return, Bayern was severely chastised by the Gestapo for their actions, with some players being sent to the front lines. That didn't stop their defiance, though. The captain, Connie Heinkamp, and his wife hit Bayern's silverware when other clubs heeded an appeal to donate medal for the war effort. In 1947, two years after the war ended, Kurt Landauer returned to Munich. He had survived the war, but all three of his brothers, Paul, Franz, and Leo, perished at the hands of the Nazis. Additionally, one sister, Gabrielle, remained listed as missing and is assumed to have died. His only sibling to survive was his sister, Henny. The football community was also smaller, with many having perished in Nazi death camps or having fled the country. Despite all of this, Kurt Landauer ran for election of the presidency of Bayern Munich again and would serve until 1951. Unfortunately, the damage of two decades under the Nazis was done to the club, and it would take until the 1970s until they would return to the prominence they once had. It takes drive and passion to take a regional football club and turn it into an international powerhouse. It takes even more to try to do that when your country is coping with a crushing military defeat. It is the passion that drives a lifetime to be willing to undertake such a task for the second time. But that's exactly what Kurt Landauer did. In the words of his nephew, for my uncle, there was only ever FC Bayern. What I love about this story is not just his passion, but that Landauer was a leader who created a culture of tolerance. To me, his greatest legacy isn't the victories, but that after he was exiled, Bayern defied the authorities and would not allow him to be unacknowledged because of his religion. That kind of leadership is needed in all aspects of society, both then and now. 